Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. I met Thomas a year ago today. He was so sweet and kind, and he made me feel better. And I just knew immediately that he was the one I had been searching for. I'm Wilbur Asquith Lacey, Thomas's brother. Okay. He's not really looking for a relationship. So what, you, you dump all his girlfriends, do you? Oh no, this is the first time. I thought that this was my year. These geneticists did an interesting study. People can be split into two categories, dumpers and dumpees. That's why at Epigenica, we offer the first type D test. You have tested positive. I've come across some information about myself. I think it explains quite a lot. Do I need to get tested? Oh, no, 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 no. It's nothing, nothing like that. Oh, good. It's not luck or chance or anything like that. A gene that makes us get dumped. How many times in your life have you been dumped? What are you asking me that for? Does it count if I knew we were going out, but she didn't? No. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 355. Releasing July 9 on demand is Love Type D, a rom-com with a sci-fi twist that stars Maeve Dervity as an unlucky in love woman who struggles with the news that she has a loser in love gene, a unique, funny and superbly made film. Love Type D also marks the feature film debut of writer and director Sasha Collinton, who I'm glad to say joins me now on the podcast. Sasha, thank you very much for joining me today. I'm really pleased to be here. So Lunch Date is a short film which upon which Love Type D is based on, and that was made back in 2011. I watched that long, not long after watching um, Love Type D, and you star in that movie um, uh, in uh, Lunch Date. How did that kind of come about? Because you've made around four or five short films, Lunch lunch Date being the last one of those. How did that one kind of come about being the film that kind of you chose or perhaps someone else chose to kind of develop into a feature? Yeah, so um, with Lunch Date, it's basically that this 12-year-old boy is sent to dump his older brother's girlfriend. And, And I guess, yeah, I like it kind of was well-received and... um, I think the reason that I wanted to extend it was it felt that there was, you know, kind of more that could be done with those characters. And I really enjoyed like writing those characters. And so I wanted to sort of, um, yeah, kind of make it into something a bit larger, but, you know, with a sort of scientific angle, you know, something about um, sort of nature nurture, um, because I'm yeah very interested in science, despite having no background in science at all. That science aspect of it is really interesting. And you deal with this thing called um, epigenetics. Um, for people who don't know, that's the study of behaviours and environment that can cause like changes in the way your genes kind of work. So in the context of this film, the character of Frankie, she's been dumped so many times over her life that her genes kind of change to a, a way that she's almost kind of cursed in a sort of 
in the sort of scientific way. Um, she has this kind of loser in love gene. How did you come across that aspect, uh, that thing? Um, is that just your curious nature in regards to science? And did you think to yourself, you know, this could be a real cool thing I could just add to this kind of rom-com element? Because what I love about the movie is that while we call it a rom-com, it's not traditional in the sense of the word, is it? Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's sort of a rom-com, but anti-rom-com, I guess, um, you know, in the sense that it is also about self-improvement, you yeah. know, because I think there are, you know, many rom-coms that are just about sort of, oh, and the right person just pops up and then that solves everything. But actually in real life, I think that isn't necessarily the case. And you do have to have some degree of self-reflection, you know, um, in general. Uh, so I think with the with the kind of ep- with um, epigenetics, I just did a lot of, I think I read an article maybe in the New York Times and I was very interested with this idea that you're, um, I mean, obviously, I'm not an expert in epigenetics, so any explanation I give is probably <laughs> completely incorrect. But, you know, I was very interested in this idea that, you know, your DNA is influenced by your behaviour, decisions you make in your lifetime, or even, really interestingly, like, you know, ancestors of yours, decisions they made, mm. you know, have some imprint on your DNA. So it isn't just this sense of, like, you know, I don't know that this sense that you can influence things. I, I found it really fascinating. So I read quite a lot about it and I did do a lot of research. You know, I think the thing with having a scientific element in any movie is that there's a fine line between, you know, it being completely implausible and and so you have to kind of ride that line and also there's a fine line with boring the audience you know with too many details yeah so I think it was always trying to find the right balance because it's a comedy you know and you want it to be funny um it's not a sort of you know educational film one thing I love about movies is that films are like the stories that we see on screen are kind of like a world within their own um they have their own kind of like rules their own kind of you know philosophies etc um and these little things you kind of pick up on i watched the film twice because there was something i wanted to pick up on which i want to talk to you about now so the character of frankie she finds out she might have this gene she kind of goes to this clinic and she has to fill out a survey and the survey had all these kind of weird kind of questions how many times have you lost a monopoly how much ice cream do you eat etc etc how did you kind of come up with those questions is that based on kind of like a real survey in regards to this field of science or is this something that you thought would be fun to kind of throw onto onto a page and like um and have this um, character answer i'm just really curious about that well i was thinking about you know symptoms like what would be symptomatic of like a condition like this because you know if you look at certain conditions you know they're always you know this range of symptoms and so obviously this is not a physical condition you know it's more a behavioral one so mm. uh, you know we're thinking you know about yeah one of the the symptoms is your childhood pets you know or pets ran away mm. and uh, and my my cat did run away for a while but he came we found him in the end we brought him back um you know but like we were just trying to think of you know kind of symptoms that at the time might seem rather innocuous you know it's like your pet ran away well you know that happens but then many years later when you find out the survey you might realize oh and then you know monopoly it's it, for some reason you know even when you're playing sort of your your kind of 10 year old cousins it's really hard to win in monopoly and um and so you know it, it, i was just trying to think of things that you know had that element that you wouldn't think about it it wouldn't even cross your mind that it could be a symptom symptom of some sort of condition until you read them all together and then it starts to form a pattern of something. Right. 
you know, that you'd be unaware of in your life. And you also created your own social media in the in the movie as well because there are scenes where the character of Frankie, it's kind of like almost like a high fidelity kind of thing. We just go back to past relationships and she, of course, that's what we do. We go to social media and find people we used to connect with. You don't have Facebook on there. You created your own kind of social media kind of page, didn't you, to kind of put on there? Yeah, we sort of created our own fictitious uh, ones, you know, so that it kind of, I mean, I wanted everything to feel within the world, you know, kind of very familiar, but a little bit off. Yes. And so, you know, we also had our own sort of science journals and science magazines and, you know, that were kind of slightly similar to the ones that uh, exist, but we would, you know, I'd make up like these various headlines that w- weren't really true, you know, but sounded a bit similar to the headlines you might read on, you know, you know, on the front cover of, I think, Scientific American was one of the references I had. Mm. I've, I've mentioned the character Frankie several times now. She's played by Maeve Dermody, Australian actor. Um, mm. So a lot of people in Australia remember her from movies like Black Water and uh, um, Beautiful Kate and Porno as well, all great films, all great performances. Um, first time I've seen her do, I haven't seen Grifty Invisible, I'm pretty sure that's the film you saw her in. And uh, that's she really came to the fore as someone who would play the character of Frankie. And she's terrific in this movie. It's this really kind of really great understated kind of deadpan performance. It's perfect for that character and for this story. Um, so when you saw Grifty Invisible, which came out several years back, was she always kind of an actress on your mind that you were thinking one day you would like to have her uh, play a role? And then when this camera came along, it was just like, yep, this is the actor for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Grift Invisible. So I saw it at the Berlin Film Festival and I just found her so funny in it, but in a very understated way and in a way that, you know, the way she would kind of, I don't know, the way she played lines and stuff it was very unpredictable like the way you know her delivery was never what I would expect and, mm. and it was really funny and she was very unusual and so I remember think, and I remember afterwards um you know uh thinking wow that actress is really great and then when we were casting for Frankie we really struggled to find the right person um and I think we we're a couple of weeks from the shoot and I was in London and I was, you know, sort of, I think it was the middle of the night, really. And she popped back into my mind. And I remembered, oh, wow, you know, I saw her, you know, in that movie and she was so great. Maybe she'd be perfect for this. And so I wrote to her agent in Australia. because At the time, you know, she was based, uh, that's where she was based. And just like, you know, we're making this movie in London in a few weeks. Um, I actually think she'd be perfect for this role. And uh, yeah, when I woke up, I had you know an email for, uh, back from the agent, and she was interested. And the other um, act, um, character in this movie that has a big presence is Wilbur. And for people who don't know, Wilbur in the movie is eleven, turning twelve year old boy. But within this world that you created, he's the smartest person in the room. I like usually is. Um, getting Rory Stroud to play that character, he's just such a a presence on screen every time he goes on he's kind of almost like a scene stealer how did you find Rory um and tell me a bit about the character of Wilbur as well because I've seen how he is in um lunch day but in this movie he kind of comes across more of kind of like a much more of a scientific mind especially when it comes to talking about things like epigenetics like we've been talking about right before mm. yeah so I um I'm really interested in sort of cross-generational friendships. I think it's really interesting, you know, where you have two people who are sort of span different generations 
and that they're friends, you know, and they have different, you know, kind of different experiences that they bring to it. And so I definitely want that, you know, the central sort of friendship to be between Frankie and this, yeah, 11 year old boy who is very knowledgeable about, you know, sort of all academic areas, um, but like sort of obviously not very knowledgeable about romance because he's 11. Um, but the, you know, but the, sometimes there's that lucidness that children have, um, you know, where they're able to just pinpoint something with such accuracy. Mm-hmm. In a way, I think that, you know, sometimes adults don't, you know, kind of get a bit kind of caught up in things and they don't necessarily, you know, see it with such clarity. Um, and so, yeah, with Wilbur, I had a lot of fun developing his character just because, he's quite verbose and he's very intelligent um, and he knows about a lot of things. So it kind of enabled me to research a lot of things about history and science in order that, you know, Wilbur could talk about them because I thought probably these would be his interests. Um, So yeah, I found him a lot of fun to write. And also because I would say that sometimes he says things in a way that's very blunt and maybe not entirely flattering um, to the other person, but he doesn't mean it. You, you know, I always want him to be a kind character. That it's, it's. He doesn't mean to be mean. Um, it's just the fact that he's being honest, and and it's that honesty that I think leaves you as a writer, you know, some room to have fun with his dialogue. I think what I love about that character as well is that. So I have two sons. I have a five-year-old and a nine-year-old. And the thing I found about both of them is that their never-ending quest for curiosity because, of course, they're so young, but their mind is not clouded with all the crap that's in our brains all the time, all the things mm-hmm. that kind of distract us. And I think what I really love about Wilbur is that he is very pure, not only in the way that he approaches life, but in a way he kind of, like, consumes things as well. Um, like, throughout this movie, he's, like, doing a science project and he's, you know, that's kind of, like, the big thing with him. Um, I'm, I'm sure, like, having a, an actor like Rory um, would have been just a, really fun to have an actor like him because I think I read in uh, in an interview before you said that he's like it was a he was a great actor to work with a very very serious young boy. Mm. Yeah, he he, he um, as soon as I saw I saw him on a self tape and I just felt like wow he's really funny. Um, you know because I I think it's hard also with comedy the fact that you know the person has to really believe everything they say and yet. You know, and that's what makes it funny. Um, whereas if they, it feels if they they try to make it funny, it's just not. Um, so yeah, when I um, auditioned Rory and originally saw his tape, I just immediately felt that he was the right person because he had those combination of things. But he was very young, you know. Um, if I think about like eleven years old, I mean the amount of dialogue he had to learn more dialogue than anybody else on the set, you know. Um, and he would come, and you know, and sometimes I would change it you know, as happens, you know, you change it the day before and you send it to his mum. Mm. <laughs> It'll be like, you know, 10 o'clock at night. So like, oh, there's some dialogue changes. I'm really sorry. Um, yeah, and then he would come in and he would have learned everything. And so he was very diligent, which I think is an aspect of Wilbur's character as well. Um, you know, their sort of diligence, you know, and, um, and yeah, like you say, like, you know, curiosity, I think it's very, it's a very kind of appealing trait in yeah. people, curiosity. It is, it is. That opening scene where Wilbur comes into the restaurant and he breaks up with Frankie on behalf of his um, older stepbrother, Thomas, 
where did how did you come up with, with that kind of um that that scenario um but for for you know this movie in your short as well is that something you heard that's happened before is that something that you thought would be kind of like a funny way because just the image of just this little kid just coming up to the table and just doing a de facto breakup like that I just thought it was just genius <laughs> thanks uh well I I think I had the characters first before the scenario so I like the idea that there would be the girlfriend and then the younger brother of the boyfriend so that it would be that the boyfriend you never met in, in a short, you don't meet the boyfriend. But I like the idea that, that of these two characters who sort of just connected through this brother and that the younger brother was a lot younger. So, you know, the man was 25, let's say, and then the younger brother was 12. Um, and so I kind of wanted to put the two characters together in, in the sense that she was not having a good day. Um, and then I was thinking, well, you know, just of different scenarios, why isn't she having a good day? And I, and I was also, yeah, had the idea of oh what if he was sent to break this news that that you know he doesn't want a relationship anymore and he doesn't want to tell her in person for whatever reason he doesn't text her you know so he sends this brother because he owes him a favor um and so kind of yeah I I don't know how the idea really came to me but once well once I had it and like you know I, I started to write the scene I thought oh actually this is a nice scenario because essentially when Wilbur comes, he's just delivered some news like, you know, it's just like one list, you, one thing you imagine on a list of errands that he's got to do and he's, he expects to just do it immediately and be able to walk out. Um, and so in the short film, you know, he doesn't anticipate that she's going to have any reaction or anything's going to come of it. Mm. Well, it's just such a, for Frankie's mum, Frankie's behalf, especially such a humiliating scenario to go through. And from that starts this kind of like this kind of journey, the existential kind of philosophical journey. And I think like what Love Type D to me in regards to comparisons to other films, it's kind of like in the league of movies like Groundhog Day or Eternal Sunshine, Spotless Mind, those kind of movies that deal with issues of love and heartbreaks, et cetera. But there's that real strong kind of philosophical and kind of like a existential part behind it. So were those the films that you were kind of looking at in regards to how you could frame your film and how you were going to approach your film as well? Those are the two films that were on your mind or were there other ones? Yes, definitely. So I love those two films. Like I, I think they're amazing, you know, I think it's, and I think it's so interesting when there is like, you like say like a philosophical theme, you know, something about sort of being human. And, um, you know, I think they're, yeah, so it definitely, they definitely um, were were references because they're favourite romantic comedies of mine, because there's something sort of inevitable about the way that they unfold. And yet it's so Mm. clever and so well written and, just perfectly done, I think, in 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 both instances, um, and and I also yeah wanted I suppose to like explore yeah this sense of sort of kind of you know to what degree you're responsible for your own decisions. I think that's one of the themes in the film. Like if you know to what degree do you play a part in things? Yeah. You know if you have a gene, then really. And it, and it, you know, it influences everything that happens to you. Then you're kind of a pawn um, in in this sort of you know play. But then you know, to what degree should you be looking at your decisions? I suppose that's yeah one of the central questions. This movie took five years uh, to make. Sorry, there's a very loud um, fan reversing. Say that again, Matt. Um, this movie took five years to make. Yeah, it was an epic, actually. Um, 
I think, um, and it's funny, isn't it, when you watch things on screen, you know, <laughs> the amounts of blood, sweat and tears that go into them, you know, it's, it, it shouldn't be apparent. Um, hopefully it isn't. But yeah, it took a long time, I guess, because, you know, in terms of raising money, I raised money in stages and we shot it in stages. So we also had, you know, the difficulty of Rory growing up, you know, as we were shooting this mm. film. He's the actor that plays Wilbur. Well, I've, I've spoken to a lot of independent filmmakers over the years, and, and usually that's the trajectory. I, I find that the anywhere in range anywhere between the two up to five years. I've even talked to one filmmaker where one film took ten. I mean, it just, it just, it just, you just have to be consistent and keep going with it. And a question I always ask when I, when filmmakers have have a really long kind of production time and the film has finally come out, how does it feel now knowing that your film is going to be released out to the general public and people are going to watch this film? Because I know. Love Type D has done a festival. Uh, done uh, um, festival runs, but now we're going to be released everywhere on demand July 9th. So, how does it feel knowing that everyone's going to see this uh, long uh, production finally on screen? Oh yeah, I'm really pleased. Yeah, I think it's great when you know that's like the most enjoyable bit. Really, I think the most enjoyable bit. So when you first think of the idea before any of the hard work starts, yeah, and then you know when you get to watch the film with audiences if they like it, you know. Um, and so yeah, I'm I'm really pleased that that it's going to come out, you know. Um, and you know, it's, it's just yeah, it's just nice because then you get to sense of like people interacting with it, and that's I think really interesting. And people have their own observations, and you know, kind of bring their own interpretations to things, which makes it even more interesting. I think. I, I think so too. And look, it's already gotten great reviews, and I love the film myself as well. And um, I just want to say. Sasha Colton, congratulations to you with the movie and everyone out there listening. Love Type D, July 9, on demand everywhere. I recommend people check this film out. It's a really good film for both the, the mind and the soul, I think, um, and it works really well. And Sasha Colton, I thank you very much for your time and congrats again with the film. Oh, thank you very much. It's been really nice to chat to you.